0: Arise, O God, judge the earth, for Thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is uh, Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God. Biblical Instructional Program. This program is for those who are really seeking real biblical truth from the scriptures. Uh, The Tanakh, which is commonly called the Old Testament, Also, the New Testament, which should be called the Apostolic Scriptures. Well, um, I know I'm reaching not only people in the United States, but around the world. Welcome. And the title of this program today is, Should We Involve Government in Our Lives? I've run into people that talk about government, government this, and government that, and government, government, government. And I'm going to talk about... um, this today, and I hope after the Bible study you realize that government is not wrong if the government goes by Yah or God's or Elohim's law. All right, so um, that's the point that I want to make today. But before I get into this Bible study, we do have some important world news to go over, and that's what I'm going to do. First of all, let's find out what's going on uh, in the Middle East. I don't know if any of you are or heard the, the big news, but uh, the Palestinians now, they have somewhat of a state. It's a symbolic state like the Vatican. And I'm I'm looking at watch.org right now. Uh, it states here, in response to UN vote, United Nations vote, Israel to approve construction of 3,000 housing units in Jerusalem and the West Bank, which is Judea in the Bible. And it says right here, less than 24 hours after the United Nations voted in favor, of granting the Palestinian Authority non-member observer state status. That's what it is. And that's what the Vatican has, too. The Vatican that is, of course, in Rome. Uh, Israel announced that it was approving the construction of 3,000 new housing units in Jerusalem and the West Bank. A Jerusalem official said that Israel would also advance planning of additional housing units that have already been approved for construction in the area dividing Jerusalem from the settlement of Mala Adumim, the controversial strip of land known as E-1. The construction will create geographical continuity between the capital and its northern suburb, a move that the United States and European countries have warned against. And I quote, The continued building is in accordance with Israel's strategic interest map, end of quote, said the official, adding that beginning of quote again, Israel is considering additional measures End of quote. And right here, UK, which is the United Kingdom, um, uh, the British people, UK urges Israel to reverse decision on settlement construction. British Foreign Secretary says plans will undermine Israel's international reputation and make two-state solutions difficult to achieve. Well, obviously this is what Netanyahu wants to do. Based on this quote, uh, there is no power in the world that can disconnect the Jewish people from the land of Israel Well I disagree with Netanyahu is, is, well, There's one power in the world And in the universe <laughs> That could do it It is Yah himself And the prophecies unfortunately uh, Reveal as I uh, will quote some scriptures to you That that's going to happen temporarily uh, For 42 months So uh, that's where we're headed Ladies and gentlemen and, and I quote again The UN resolution will not change anything on the ground and won't bring a Palestinian state Closer to existence, but push it farther away, Netanyahu said at a conference marking the 35th anniversary of Egyptian President Anwar Sadat's historic visit to Jerusalem. And I quote again, Israel's hand is extended in peace, but there will not be a Palestinian state without the recognition of Israel as a Jewish state, end of quote. The Prime Minister told the audience at Jerusalem's Menachem again, here at the center. I quote again, a Palestinian state will never be established without declaration on ending the conflict and the establishment of security arrangements to protect the state of Israel and its citizens, end of quote. Beginning of quote again, no matter how many hands are raised at the United Nations, there is no power in the world, in the world, that can disconnect the Jewish people from the land of Israel, end of quote. Netanyahu concluded, well, again, I have to correct Mr. Netanyahu. Uh, If God wants to do that, he will, and in the prophecies it is revealed. That uh, That's going to occur um, I don't have time to go over this uh, But Isaiah chapter 18 Covers what's going on in Egypt Right now ladies and gentlemen So um, I would uh, suggest you highly Study uh, Isaiah chapter 18 I think it talks about Egypt No it's, not, it's talking about Ethiopia uh, Isaiah chapter 19 Talks about Egypt I'm sorry Isaiah chapter 19 and as you can see This leads all the way toward, um, in Isaiah chapter 19, verse 23, it says, In that day shall there be a highway out of Egypt into Isaria. Uh, that's the, uh, the ba- Babylon today, uh, Iraq in that area, and the um, Iserians shall come into Egypt and the Egyptian in- into Isaiah, and the Egyptians shall serve with the Iserians. In that day shall Israel be the third with Egypt and with Isaiah, a blessing in the midst of the land. So, This is, of course, talking about the time of the second coming of the Messiah. And in this prophecy is talking about Egypt having strife, as they are right now. So this is a a pretty good uh, uh, chapter to to analyze and study in light of what's going on in Egypt right now, Isaiah chapter 19. All right, so we're talking about the Middle East, and I did mention some things uh, that I need to go over here in reference to Jerusalem being trampled over by the nations or the Gentiles. And um, the Bible clearly reveals that despite what people think and so forth. Um, Revelation chapter 11, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read this in the King James Version, but it's pretty clear in the King James Version. Um, verse 1, And there was given me a re like unto a rod. And this is the same phraseology that's used in Ezekiel chapter 40 or similar. Uh, the angel's measuring something. Obviously, he's measuring a... A building. So, this is a prophecy that the temple will be built, despite what people think. Um, the templeinstitute.org, www.templeinstitute.org, if you go there, you can see that they are already preparing to build the temple. They have everything in force. It's just going to be uh, delayed because there needs to be a war, as the scriptures indicate. I'm going to show that to you today. Some war that's going to occur to provoke the Jews and encourage the Jews to start building the temple so that we can have sacrifices, so the sacrifices can be stopped, and the prophesied abomination of desolation occurs. Anyway, Revelation 11, verse 1, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God. This is a literal temple, it's not a spiritual temple. And the altar, and them that worship there. And so let's let's understand what this scripture is saying. Yah, through John, the apostle, is stating that there will be a, number one, a temple of God, a building. Number two, an altar. And then number three, people that are worshiping therein. All right? Three elements. Verse 2, but the court, which is without the temple, leave out, and some people are saying this may be the court of the Gentiles, we'll see, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles or the nations the other nations, okay? And the holy city, well, you know what the holy city is, folks. I I certainly hope you know what the holy city is. It's Jerusalem. Shall they thread underfoot 42 months? So the holy city, which is Jerusalem, they shall thread underfoot 42 months. It's not half the city. It's all the city. All right? The holy city shall they thread underfoot 42 months, or three and a half years. And then verse 3, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy 1,203 days, clothed in sackcloth, and that's another Bible study. But anyway, getting back to, I want to focus on verse 2, what it says that the holy city, Jerusalem, shall, they thread underfoot, 42 months. Let's go to Luke chapter 21. Our Lord and Savior helped us understand this prophecy a little better here. Even though this happened back in the, in the first century, it's going to happen again prophecy is cyclical it happens over and over and over again uh in commonality or in similarity all right luke chapter 21 starting in verse 20 and when you shall see jerusalem that's the holy city come with armies then know that the desolation is near it hasn't occurred yet but it's going to happen all right Then verse 21, then let them which are in Judea, or the West Bank, flee to the mountains. So if you're in the West Bank at this time, you better flee the mountains. And let them which are in the midst of it, or in the middle of it, or in Jerusalem, depart out. So these are instructions from our Lord and Savior. If at this time you see armies surrounding Jerusalem, then you ought to flee. Get out of the West Bank, if you're living in the West Bank. Go to the nearest mountains, Pella, those are the nearest mountains near that area, and let them which are in the midst, or in the middle of Jerusalem, depart out. And let them that are in the countries enter there into. So, anybody that's in America, that's rich enough to go to Jerusalem, or any other, you better not go into Jerusalem at this time. Okay, verse 22. Why? Because, These be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. So obviously this did not happen in the first century. This is a prophecy for the end times. So I want you to understand. I want you to understand what I'm talking about here, okay? The prophecies clearly reveal that Jerusalem, despite what Netanyahu is stating, will be totally taken over for 42 months. That's why our Lord and Savior is telling you to get out of Jerusalem if you're in the West Bank Go to the mountains. Go to Pella. Those are the nearest mountains near the West Bank. If you are in Jerusalem, get out of Jerusalem. If you are thinking about going to Jerusalem, don't. Because the whole city will be taken over. Verse 22. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. That's an end-time prophecy. Okay? And then he also tells people, verse 23, But danger unto the great sorrow unto them that are with child, and to them that gives suck or are pregnant in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. All right? So if you see this coming, don't think about what he's saying here. I, I wouldn't think about uh, getting pregnant, ladies, at this time. He's warning you here. All right? Because it's going to be difficult. And then verse 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword. War, war, war. Okay? And shall be led away, captive into all nations. And Jerusalem, the holy city, shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. This happened in the past. It's going to happen again based on Revelation chapter 11 again. Revelation chapter 11, verse 2. But the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not for it is given unto the nations, the other nations, and the holy city, which is Jerusalem, shall they tread underfoot for forty-two months. Notice that in Luke chapter 21, he uses similar phraseology to define that the holy city is Jerusalem. And Luke 21, verse 24, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive unto all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, unto the times of the Gentiles be Fulfilled. So I hope that I've explained this to you um, in clarity. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, says, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. All right? The armies are going to cause the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, stand in the holy place. The holy place is a temple, a built temple. Whoever read it, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let them or him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in, in the field return back to take his clothes. And danger to them that are which child or pregnant, to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Shabbat. So for those who say the Sabbath's done away, he's expecting people in the 21st century to continue to keep the Sabbath. Verse 20, For then shall there be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And verse 22, And except those days, should be shortened the days of the 21st century there should no flesh be saved but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened that's the good news now let's understand and this is what Hanukkah really is all about and I'm going to be celebrating that and other people that uh, fellowship with me and of course those around the world who understand what Hanukkah is all about uh we'll be fellowshipping and Hanukkah has everything to do with what I'm talking about today the abomination of desolation let's Let's find out when and how uh the first abomination of desolation occurred, so that we can understand the future one that's going to occur here in the next um i don't know I can't predict a year, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened in the next few years, the way things are going uh Daniel chapter eleven Daniel chapter eleven. Daniel chapter 11, starting in verse 40. Actually, I'm not going to start in verse 40. What I'm going to do is start in Daniel chapter 11, um, verse 29. Sorry about that. Then I'm going to read a little commentary from the ESV Bible. I think uh, it does a good job of explaining the history to this. Anyway, at the time appointed, he shall return. And it's talking about Antiochus Epiphanes, and I'm going to go into detail here in a minute. Uh, and come toward the south, but it shall not be as the former or as the latter. Verse 30, for the ships of Chittim shall come against them, therefore he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the holy covenant. So shall he do, he shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the holy covenant. Verse 31, an arm shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary. The sanctuary is the temple of strength, and shall take away the daily Sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that make of death. That's what the daily sacrifice was, the sacrifice of the lamb in the morning and in the evening. And they had two sacrifices uh, during the day, uh, the daily sacrifice on the temple uh, at the altar. Verse 32, And such as they do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Okay? All right, so I'm going to stop there, and you need to understand the background of this, so I'm going to read that to you from the uh, English Standard Bible Version, the Study Bible version of this book, and it's a pretty good Bible. I suggest you get it. It has some good stuff in it to help you understand the Bible. Um, right here, it states here on page 1615, uh, Daniel 11, verse 29 to 30. I'll just read this whole thing here. In 168 B.C., the time appointed by God, Antiochus uh, IV, Epiphanes invaded Egypt again, but this time he met with a humiliating defeat. The Romans had joined forces with Ptolemies, and Antiochus IV was no match for the Roman army, and especially the ships of Kittim. Kittim is the ancient name for Cyprus, so when you see Kittim, it means uh, Cyprus. But it came to be used for the lands around the Mediterranean Sea in general, so it can also mean the lands around the Mediterranean Sea and in this case specifically the Romans. Several early historians uh, tell the story of the defeat of Antiochus IV, stating that the Roman commander, Gaius Populus Linnaeus, met Antiochus IV outside Alexandria and handed him a letter from the Roman Senate telling him to leave Egypt or risk war with Rome. Next, he drew a circle around Antiochus IV and told him to decide before he left the circle. Antiochus IV wisely chose to leave Egypt, and then in 167 B.C., he turned his anger toward Palestine and be enraged and take action against the Holy Covenants. That's what that says in that scripture. And sent his chief tax collector, apollonius and this is interesting. We're going to be talking about taxes today. It seems like we can never get away from taxes. <laughs> to Jerusalem, initially, um, Apollonius appeared to come in peace. But on the Sabbath, he began killing people and plundering the city. This is in reference to... First Maccabees, which isn't scripture but is uh, it's an historical record uh, that's linked with the Abomination of Desolation and Hanukkah. First Maccabees, chapter one, verse thirty to thirty-two, and Second Maccabees, chapter five, verses twenty-five to twenty-six. So, First Maccabees, one, verses thirty to thirty-two, and Second Maccabees, verses five. I'm sorry, Second Maccabees, chapter five, verses twenty-five to twenty-six. Now, in Antiochus Epiphanes, he also rewarded those Jews who supported the Hellenistic policies or the Greek policies, pagan policies. Like the high priest Menelaus, he will pay attention to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. So forsaking the Holy Covenant was forsaking the truth of God or Judaism, uh, righteous Judaism, which is in line with God. That's what that was, all right? Now, um, later in 167 B.C., Syrian forces came back to suppress the Jewish religious practices in earnest. They entered the temple, possibly called uh, the temple and fortress, because it was the religious strength of the people, or else Antiochus IV Epiphanes profaned the temple and the fortress also. They stopped the regular burnt offering on the fifteenth day of Chislev. That's December 167 BC, and that's, this is found in First Maccabees. The historical record of this is found in First Maccabees 1 verse 59. And they set up an altar or an idol devoted to Zeus or Jupiter and the temple, the abomination that makes desolate. That's what makes this an abomination. The abomination was setting up a temple or defiling the temple, um, putting unclean things there in the temple. And that's what made it desolate, the abomination that makes desolate. And this reference to this is Daniel 9 verse 27, Daniel 12 verse 11, and specifically for the 21st century. And shortly afterward offered up sacrifice, likely swine on the altar. This is in first Maccabees one verse 47, second Maccabees chapter six, verse four to five. The Greek word for this expression um, I'm not going to even begin to read the Greek, but anyway, it means abomination desolation is applied to this action of Antiochus IV, in first Maccabees one verse 54. And it's a background for Jesus' prediction of the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel. Antiochus, of force. flattery, enticed some of the Jews to turn against the covenant. So, unfortunately, in the end times, there's going to be some Jews that's turning against the covenant as well. First uh, Maccabees chapter 2, verse 18, and Second Maccabees 7, verse 24. But some faithful Jews, those who know their God, choose to stand strong and die rather than to go against God's laws, and that's what it's about, too, um, many people, uh, or a significant amount anyway, will have to give their lives for God during the tribulation. Uh, so not only Jews that believe in Yeshua, but also uh, non-Jews that believe in Yeshua, choose to stand strong and die rather than go against God's laws. First Maccabees, chapter one, verse sixty-two to sixty-three, and many did die. Some also began to organize a revolt, take action. Probably referring to the priest priests. Uh, Mattathias and his five sons Who led the Maccabean revolt And who in 164 rededicated the temple That's in 1st Maccabees 4 verse 52 And I just described to you what Hanukkah was all about Right there Okay, And that's the event that Yeshua talked about That's going to occur in the future Ladies and gentlemen Again it's going to be a war In the context of the temple uh, Being built And once that temple is built uh, Similar events are going to occur And so we need to be looking at world news. We need to be looking at world events so that we can protect ourselves and our families by obeying God. Uh, Daniel chapter 11, verse 40. At the time of the end, you might as well put 21st century, the king of the south shall attack him, but the king of the north shall rush upon him like a whirlwind with chariots and horsemen and with many ships. And he shall come into countries and shall overflow and pass through. He shall come into the glorious land. That's the... City of Jerusalem, and tens of thousands shall fall, but these shall be delivered out of his hand. Edom and Moab and the main part of the Ammonites, as to the, the Jordan area, he shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. So Egypt's definitely in in, in uh, the end time context here. He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and silver and all the precious things of Egypt, and the Libyans you've heard them in the news, and the Cushites you will hear in the news shall follow in his train. But news from the east and north, this is east and north of Jerusalem, shall alarm him, and he shall go out with great fury to destroy, this is going to be World War III, folks, and devote many to destruction. And verse 45, and he shall pitch his tents between the sea and the glorious holy mountain. All right? Yet he shall come to his end with none to help us. I want you to notice that he's going to enter to the glorious land, and then he's going to plant his headquarters uh, between the sea and the glorious holy mountain, or, of course... Uh, Mount Moriah or in Jerusalem near the Temple Mount. Now uh, Daniel twelve verse one. At that time shall Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, uh it says at that time shall arise Michael, who his name means who is like God, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So you, uh, if you are righteous, you're going to really have a wonderful future. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the 21st century, the time at the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase, which is a prophecy of the... Internet. I wanted to read something here and see if they have any. Here we go. Uh, Let me just read this uh, commentary here, uh, page 1617 in the ESV, uh, in reference to um, Daniel chapter 11, verse 44 to to 45. One striking difference between Antiochus Ephiphides and the Antichrist lies in the events surrounding the king's death, which do not fit. What is known of the death of Antiochus IV? He bet his end during a relatively minor campaign against Persia, which is uh, Iran today, in 164 BC, not between the sea and Jerusalem, after a grand and successful assault on Egypt. When compared to the precision of fulfillment of the previous verses of chapter 11, these verses may be looking for a greater fulfillment. I would say it is looking for a greater fulfillment. That is yet to come at the time of the end. The glorious holy mountain. This is the temple mount in Jerusalem, Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, which perhaps here should be connected to the fall of Antichrist. All right? And the battle of Armageddon. So they're saying that this could be uh, an event that's linked to the, the battle of Armageddon. Well, I just read to you about, and that it could be also referring to that, but it's, it's possibly also referring to the start of the abomination of desolation, Uh, Because in Daniel 12, verse 1, it says, At that time shall Michael, the great prince who has charge, who, uh, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. And that's the same phraseology that Yeshua stated in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15 to 22, that signals the start of the Great Tribulation. The start of the Great Tribulation is linked with the abomination of desolation. Stopping the sacrifices um, after the temple is built, which is proved by this scripture here, uh, Daniel 12, starting in verse 11. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away, so this is talking about when this happens in the 21st century, and the abomination that makes desolate is set up. You know what that means now. It's talking about uh, sacrifices being stopped and then an abomination, a statue or some other abominable The the prophecies indicate it's going to be a statue, again, based on Revelation chapter 13, a statue that's going to be miraculously made to move according to what the Scriptures state in Revelation chapter 13. Um, And from the time of the regular burnt offering is taken away, and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there should be 1,290 days. And then blessed is he who wastes and arises at the 1,335th day, but go your way to the end, and you shall rest and stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. At the end of uh, all the days Which is uh, 1,335 days So um, that is what the prophecy indicates Uh, At the end of the days um, Daniel will be resurrected That's what that's stating there Okay, so I just wanted to explain that to you In light of that Because I think it needs to be explained And I know people are hoping that Jerusalem it's not trampled down, but the prophecies state that that's going to happen. And then the prophecies, uh, many are confused by what Zechariah chapter 14 states. Uh, let me just briefly go over that. Zechariah chapter 14. You know, I was a part of a church that taught that half of Judaism has to be taken over. Well, half of Judaism will be taken over, and that's going to cause them to come back, but not the way this false prophet or preacher's teaching. Uh, Zechariah chapter 14 Verse 1 It says Behold a day is coming For the Lord When the spoil taken from you Will be divided in your midst For I will gather All nations against you In the battle And the city shall be taken And the houses plundered And the women raped So uh, Women will be raped At this time Then half the city Shall go into exile But the rest of the people Shall not be cut off From the city Then the Lord will go Out and fight Against those nations As when he Fights on the day of battle So when half the city is taken over, there's no gap between um, verse 2 and 3, as many people, well, some people are teaching. And then verse 4, on that day, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives. So the day that when this happens, <laughs> that's when he's coming back, all right? And this is after the tribulation or during the tri- uh, toward the end of the tribulation when he does this. Uh, it says, Behold, a day is coming. The Lord, when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem in the battle, and the city shall be taken. This is talking about the Battle of Armageddon here. And the houses plundered and the women raped. Half the city shall go into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. So there's going to be some people cut off and some not. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on the day of battle. What nations? The nations that are going to gather against Jerusalem to battle God. On that day, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley. So anyway, and then Joel explains this further. Joel, Joel, let's see if I can find it here, the first chapter. But then actually the whole book, really, particularly chapter 3, no, actually not the first chapter, but the third chapter explains this. It says, For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. It's talking about the same thing that Zechariah 14 is talking about. And I will enter into judgment with them on behalf of my people and my heritage Israel, because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided up my land and have cast lots for my people and have traded a boy for a prostitute and have sold a girl for wine and a drunkard. What are you to me, O Tyre and Sidon, and all the regions of Philistia? Are you paying me back for something? If you are paying me back, I will return your payment on your head swiftly and speedily. For you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried my rich treasures into your temples. You have sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks. And this is interesting. The Greeks are in uh, end-time prophecy. Um, Greeks are having problems with the economy. Obviously, they're going to play a role in the end times in order to remove them far from their own border. Behold, I will stir them up from the place to which you have sold them, and I will return your payment on your head. I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabians, to a nation far away, for the Lord has spoken. Now, verse 9, Proclaim this among the nations. Consecrate for war, stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a warrior. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Let the nations stir themselves up and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go in, thread, for the winepress is full, the vats overflow, for their evil is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision the literal day when he returns and lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. That's what that's talking about, folks. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars will draw their shining. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth quake. But the Lord is a a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. All right, so this is talking about the same event, folks. Zechariah chapter 14, Uh, God is going to allow... half the city to be taken over when uh this occurs when he gathers all the nations and then at that time he's going to come back uh and stop all the shenanigans and stop the city from being trampled down again that's what he's going to do that's what that's uh talking about there so i, I hope that i explain that um uh, using the scriptures and uh um, if you have any other questions or concerns, you can email me about that, Kennard at Merciful Servants of God, uh dot, dot com. And and notice here in verse two that women are gonna be raped and the whole and the city's gonna be taken and then half of it will go into exile. Um at the start of the tribulation, the whole city is gonna be trampled down. So there there's a difference uh between that. So Let's uh, talk about government here. Um, I think it's high time I start talking about this now because I've, I've, you know, many people have come to me about, you know, government, government, government. I don't like the government. I don't like that, 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 that. All right, let's see see what the Bible says about that, folks, okay? So we have to always go to the Bible to see what God says about government. So let's first start in Daniel chapter 2, verse 20. Daniel chapter 2, verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. I'm reading this in the English Standard uh, Bible Version, ESV Version. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. So he's the one that sets up kings and removes kings, not us. So let's understand that. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So let me... uh, Quote a very important scripture, again, for your understanding. Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. God does that. We don't do it. We can vote for whoever we want to. He's the one that puts in office who he wants to put in office. I just want to emphasize that. Now, let's turn to the very important scripture of 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter two, beginning in verse thirteen. Read this in a complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake. It says, "For the sake of the Lord, submit yourselves to every human authority." All right. <laughs> For the sake of the Lord, submit yourselves to every human authority. I know you're I know you're saying, well, aren't there times when we don't? Yes, I will address that if you're patient. And let me go ahead and uh, continue to to do the Bible study. But anyway, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. For the sake of the Lord, submit yourselves to every human authority, whether to the emperor as being supreme or to governors as being sent by him, by God, to punish wrongdoers and praise those who do what is good? So, our governments, believe it or not, they do praise those who do what is good. I've I've seen many cases on television where someone was did something uh, that was great and it was honored on the news. So, government is not all bad, folks. Okay, let's let's understand that. All right, uh, let's not. You mentioned government. Don't don't act like it's the worst thing in the world because it isn't. If you understand that God has ordained government. All right? And he's going to be using government to rule us. So let's have the proper attitude about that. Verse 15. For it is God's will that your doing good should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. And verse 16. Submit as people who are free, but not letting your freedom serve as an excuse for evil. And that's very important. So in verse 16. Submit as people who are free, but not letting your freedom serve as an excuse for evil. Rather, submit as God's servants. I'm not going to use slaves like David Stern uses here. I don't like that word, servants. And verse 17, be respectful to all. Keep loving the brotherhood, fearing God, and honoring the emperor. As many people <laughs> think that Obama, but uh, if he is an emperor, we supposed to honor the emperor according to the Bible. Now, you may not like that, folks, but that's what God commands us to do. And uh, I think you better obey what God tells you. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 1, and this is in the complete Jewish Bible version again, remind people to submit to the government and its officials, to obey them, to be ready to do any honorable kind of work. I'm going to repeat this very important scripture to you. Titus 3, verse 1, remind people, and this is admission toward a Torah teacher, so this is a commandment for me, And that's what I'm doing. I'm reminding you and anyone else that comes to me with this government stuff, oh, government, government, well, I'm reminding you, remind people to submit to the government and its officials, to obey them, to be ready to do any honorable kind of work. So we are to submit to the government. I know there's cases where we don't. I will get into that, all right? I promise. I will get into that. All right. 20 minutes left. I have plenty of time to get into it. All right. Taxes. I know people have, I know me and my wife, we, i not going to give out his name, but uh, we knew a gentleman that just didn't want to pay taxes at all. We always brought this following scripture to him, but he didn't care what he, what Jesus said. Well, look, Jesus is the way, the life, and the truth. And whatever he says, if we believe him and, and obey him, we, we better Take it serious, ladies and gentlemen, all right? So, and he did, he, Christ, he did pay the temple tax. Let me see if I can find that scripture here. But he also commanded us to pay government taxes, too. And uh, we can safely assume that if he told us to do it, I'm sure he did it himself. God is not a hypocrite, okay? He's not going to tell you to do something, and uh, he doesn't do it himself. So that's hypocrisy, and he's certainly not a hypocrite. So, let's see let's see if I can find the scripture here where he paid the temple tax. Uh, let's see. Let me see if I can tribute. Type that in there. Hopefully I can find it here. Here we go. Here we go. Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. Matthew 17, verse 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money or tax money came to Peter and said, Does your master pay tribute? Verse 25. He says, Yes. So (laughs) he paid taxes, folks. And when he came and when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Well, he was, you uh, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or the strangers? Peter said unto them, A stranger, Jesus, said unto them, then are the children free. So he was referring to himself, of course, 27. Notwithstanding that not we should offend them, and that's the principle, so we don't offend the government. Go thou to the sea, and cast a hook, and take up the fish that first cometh, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. Take that, and give unto them for me and thee. Okay, so... Uh, that's in, that's an important lesson for us to understand, folks. Uh obviously Yeshua paid taxes, all right? Uh, <laughs> so let, let's let's understand that. He paid taxes and and uh he says, right, of whom do the kings of the earth take others? Uh, what was the usual practice of earthly kings, what of Judea of the country do they their children and heirs or whatever. Okay, so I just wanted to, to cover that to show you that he paid taxes based on the scriptures here. All right. And uh, I've been looking for something else in this commentary here that may shed a little more light on this. Um, and this was the shekel money. He says, had this been the Roman tribute, the reason of such a question might have been either to have snared him and to have known. But this, is, this is the temple tax or the, the, the half shekel money for the temple. That's what this was, basically. But he asked him a question. He said, does he pay taxes? Plural, taxes. Okay. And right here, the the this is a quote from uh, one of the uh, Jewish writings here. It says, um, all are bound to give the half-shekel priests, Levites, Israelites, and the strangers are proselytes, and servants that are made free, but not women or servants and so forth. So he knew that. It was part of the war law. And he gave uh, the tax. And he has written also in the Torah about the, the, the temple tax. All right. So anyway. Let's go to another scripture, Matthew chapter 22, where this is talking about government taxes, Roman taxes, okay? Uh, and today that would be the United States taxes or uh, some other country's taxes. All right, so Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 17. It says, Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute? Let me read this in there. Complete Jewish Bible version here. Says, So tell us your opinion, does Torah, or the law permit paying taxes to the Roman Emperor or not? Or today to the United States or not, right? Verse 18, Yeshua, sure, Jesus, however, knowing their malicious intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Verse nineteen, show me the coin you used to pay the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose name and picture are these? The emperors, they replied, Yeshua sure, said to them, Give the emperor what belongs to the emperor, and give to God what belongs to God. Okay? So, so of course, Yeshua would not tell us something that he wouldn't do himself. So, obviously, um, he did pay taxes, including the, uh, the the temple tax and also government taxes. He did the same thing that he's telling us to do today. All right? So, for those that sneer and say, oh, I don't want to pay taxes, well, your Lord and Savior tells you to pay the taxes, folks. All right? So Romans chapter, and if you don't do that, you're not obeying his commands. Uh, Romans chapter um, 13, starting in verse 7, says, Pay everyone what he is owed, which includes the emperor or the president or whoever is ruling your country and his government. If you owe the tax collector, pay your taxes. If you owe the revenue collector, pay the revenue. If you owe someone a sales tax. If you owe someone respect, pay him respect. If you owe someone honor, pay him honor. And then it says, don't owe anyone anything except to love one another. For whoever loves his fellow human has fulfilled Torah. So this is in context of keeping Torah, folks. I know it's amazing, but it's in the Bible. Now, let's understand something. Oh, before, yeah, I wanted to explain, um, how much time I have left? You know, I may go over, and if I do, I need to because this is a very important Bible study. I have 14 minutes. Hopefully, I could get this all done in 14 minutes. If not, I'm going to go over. I apologize. I try to make these Bible studies uh, an hour, but sometimes I can't. So, but anyway, in 1 Samuel chapter 8, starting in verse 5, because I want to, I'm to get to the case where we're not supposed to obey the government, and I'm sure many of you are interested in that. So. But first of all, I want you to understand the origin of governments in the first place, <laughs> uh, based on Israel's perspective. Anyway, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 5. I'm going to read this in the King James Version. It says, And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy son, talking to Samuel, here the Israel at this time, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Verse 6. But the thing displeased Samuel, First. Samuel chapter 8, verse 6, when they said, Give us the king, the judges, and Samuel prayed unto the Lord, in verse 7, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. So, And that's what we've done today, folks, as you're going to see. Verse 8, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even unto this day, whereof they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Verse 9, now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And so please pay attention to this, folks. This is a prophecy. Samuel is a prophet. It's a prophetic book and uh, you should pay attention to this. Verse 10, And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that ask of him a king. Verse 11, And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, or his military armaments, and to his horsemen, and shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands, captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots, the military draft, or we have history of that. Verse thirteen, and he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to, to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards and the best of them and get them to. So in other words, he will oppress you, and that's what he's doing. That's what these governments do. Verse fifteen, and he will take the tenth or ten percent of your seed of your vineyards and give to the officers and the servants. Verse sixteen, and he will take your man, manservants and your maidservants and your goodliness, young men. Your goodly list, young man and your asses, and put them to his work. Verse 17, he will take the tenth of your sheep, and ye shall be his servants. Verse 18, You shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye have chosen, which you have chosen, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Verse 19, nevertheless, the people refuse, you know, that's our people, that's one of our kids. We're stubborn, and we don't want to listen. Nevertheless, the people refuse to obey the voice of Samuel, the prophet. And they said, Nay, but we will have our king over us. Verse 20. That we may also be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Verse 21. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he rehearsed them in in the ears of the Lord. And verse 22. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken to their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man into the city. So I want you to understand something. Our ancestors (laughs) chose a king, folks. So let's not get all upset over the fact that we have human kings because that's something we desired, And God, the teacher of a lesson, has allowed us to this day to have human kings. All right? Now, 1 Samuel chapter 12, starting in verse 13. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse uh, 13. Now, therefore, behold the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And behold, the Lord has set a king over you. Verse 14, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 14. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both you and also the king that reigns over you continue following uh, the Lord your God. But, but, and the but is happening. Has continued to happen for thousands of years, verse 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the command of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your father. That's a prophecy. It's happening as I'm speaking, verse 16. Now, therefore, and, you know, Obama gets up there and says, God bless America. He might as well say, God curse America, because he's not obeying God. He's not obeying God. when he When he endorses homosexuality. And and he says it's okay to have abortions. That's not obeying God, folks. Verse 16. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Verse 17. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking you a king. And verse eighteen. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. So he gave a sign, a miraculous sign, to show them that he means business, that he didn't appreciate them asking for a human king. God wants us to desire us to rule over Him, not human people, human kings, all right, uh, or presidents. Verse nineteen. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy service unto the Lord thy God, that we die not, for we have added unto all our sins, this evil, to ask for a king. I'm going to repeat this three times. We have added unto all our sins this evil to ask for a king. Again, we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. It's sin, ladies and gentlemen, to desire human beings to take the place of God, and that's what they did. Verse 20, and that's what we continue to do today as a nation, and other nations do that as well. Verse 20, And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, you have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. He says, It'll work if you don't turn against the Lord. Unfortunately, many governments in this in, the, in this uh, world turn against the Lord. They don't follow the Bible, not completely. Okay? Verse 21, And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. And, and that's a prophecy. Verse 22, For the Lord will not... Forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I would teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all what's truth? Psalm 119, verse 142 is the entire teachings of God, including his law, with all your heart, for consider how great things he has done for you. But if you shall still do wickedly, you shall be consumed, both you and your king. Let me repeat that. But if you shall continue to do wickedly, you shall be consumed, both you and your king. Okay? So don't be surprised of any curses that happen in this country, because as of yet, the Obama administration is not going to make an announcement and say we're going to do everything according to the Bible. If he doesn't make that announcement, then we're going to continue to be cursed, and we will be consumed. <laughs> but you know, Meaning that we're going to have quite a few problems. All right? And voting for someone else is not going to solve it unless that individual uh, makes a devotion to God and and announces to the nation that we will keep God's commandments and do things God's way, which that's not going to happen until, uh, more than likely, until Yeshua comes back and lands his feet on the Mount of Olives, ladies and gentlemen, and takes the the governments of this world on his shoulder. But anyway, 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of things be made for all men, for kings or presidents, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Okay? So we should pray for our wicked kings, folks. We should pray for our wicked presidents. That's the Bible tells us to do that. All right? Um, And the reason why that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all goodliness or godliness, and honesty. And then verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. In verse 4, Who will have all men to be saved. He desires everyone to be saved, and to come into the knowledge of the truth. All right? So Acts chapter 5, verse 27. Now, we, now we're going to get to the, the, the part where uh, the scriptures is plainly reveal where we don't obey government. Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 27 says right here, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council. This is the, the Sanhedrin. And the high priest asked them, the context of this is when, uh, well, it's going to tell you right here, verse 28. Acts 5, verse 20, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name, or Yeshua's name, and Jesus' name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, or your teaching, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us, or Yeshua's blood. Jesus blood upon them and verse twenty nine then Peter and the apostles answered said, "We ought to obey God rather than men, so in that case, of course, uh you do not obey the government, you obey God. Now, I just want to remind you that that Daniel served in the government of Babylon, Joseph served in the government of egypt okay and and uh, shaul or Peter uh, Paul rather was a Roman citizen. And he uses Roman citizenship to get out of a, a, a problem, and that's in the, in the book of Acts. So but, so anyway, you know, government is not all bad, folks. And, and if you continue to think that, you're thinking wrong. You need to repent of that attitude. Government is not all wrong. There's some things wrong about the government, as I just described to you, but government is not all wrong, and God has ordained these governments, these worldly governments, folks. Your scriptures indicate that clearly. First uh, Samuel chapter 15. Verse 24, And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed, and this is uh, King Saul, the first king of Israel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So, see, a a, a president or a king has to do the right thing. He can't let the people make him make bad decisions. All right, and that's what Samuel did. He feared the people and obeyed their voice. You, you can't fear the people and obey the people's voice unless the people's voice is in line with God's law, folks. And, and unfortunately, Samuel didn't know how to rule, and uh, we know the story with Samuel. So, um, Exodus chapter 23 verse 2. Exodus chapter 23 verse 2, and says, "Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil; neither shalt thou speak in the cause of decline." after many to rest judgment. So just because the majority thinks it's right doesn't mean it's right. It has to line up with God's commandments, folks. And then Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9. This is an important scripture that I'm going to close with. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. So, you know, God, he doesn't have a problem with government uh, as long as that government is in line with his law. And government means the extent of rulership, of dominion that is under authority. All right? So that's what government is. And it states here that uh, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace shall there be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever The zeal the Lord of hosts will perform this. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have the right and proper attitude about government. And we should obey the government as long as it's not influencing us to disobey God. May God bless and keep you, and God willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, and ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant,